0: You are now free to fly for free. Hello and welcome to Miles Flying with Yehuda. Um, Today is a very exciting day for our podcast here. We are just now in our second week of production and today will be our first guest speaker that will be joining the podcast. Uh, On the show today we have Mordechai Charka. Uh, Mordechai is somebody I've known for a couple of years now, um, mostly through uh, the uh, travel the travel world. And uh, a quick bio about Mordechai so you can hear who he is. Uh, online, he's known as the Miner, uh, and he has a blog miningformiles.com/blog uh, where you can find out all the information that he has been sharing with the world. He started earning and burning miles and points after graduating college. Since then, he, ha- he and his wife have traveled all over the world from Hawaii to Tokyo in business class and first class for a fraction of the cost. Since he started his blog in 2015, Mordechai has shared his passion and knowledge for cheap travel with hundreds of readers and clients. Mordechai, it's great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Yuta. I'm really excited to be here to talk with you and your listeners.
0: Um, yeah, well, we are, we are really thrilled because uh, you know i just been everybody had to have listened to just my voice for the last couple episodes, so it's nice to have someone else. <laughs> thank you. It's a good voice to listen to. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay, uh, I have a whole bunch of things I wanted to ask you about, you know, your experiences in credit cards and miles collecting and, uh, you know, some, some general other topics we can talk about. Uh, so let's get into it. Definitely. My first question, and I'm a fan of this question and something I answered myself in the first podcast that I aired, um, which is, what's in your wallet? What cards do you use daily? Why those cards? What do you got?
1: Well, I think for forever, for the life of me, I'll always think of Capital One when someone asks me what's in my wallet. Um, <laughs> but there you go, that's good marketing. But personally, um, I'm always churning credit cards, as I think you, you mentioned in one of your fir- first podcasts, is chasing signup bonuses. So I'm typically focused on reaching the required spend for the card in my wallet, typically a new card. So I'm spending anywhere between 3000 and 5000 per card in any given period. So other than that, um, I'll usually earn on a card that I'm looking to build up miles, so if, let's say that's my Alaska Airlines Visa card, uh, my you know Freedom Unlimited card, or my Chase Sapphire, whatever it is, just to top up accounts, I find that most of us aren't spending enough outside of unbonus spend or sign-up bonuses, at least in my case, to really warrant um, putting all my spend on one specific card. So that's just me, and I think for some people it works, and for others, you have to, you know, spend in the way that makes sense for you and earn in the way that makes sense for you.
0: You know, I totally agree with that and I have said that before to a lot of friends, a lot of people I've talked about is that the, you know, especially uh, someone who's younger and, you know, even if you're, you know, you have rent and you might even be married and therefore you have or a small family, you have some expenses. How much money are you actually spending, you know, when when you're younger uh, on a day-to-day basis and a month-to-month basis? that if you end up spending, you know, ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars over the course of a year on, on your credit cards, how many miles are you exactly earning from those category, you know, those right. most of those purchases are one point per dollar and things Correct. like that. So when you're hitting a new sign up bonus and you have a new credit card, you know, and you're earning fifty thousand to hundred thousand miles, absolutely focus on that card. But otherwise I to drive yourself crazy and have five credit cards in your wallet, you know, and this is right. the one you use at restaurants and this is the one you use <laughs> for gas, I think it's a little bit too much for me.
1: I have, a, I have a friend, and I, I think you'll appreciate this, and so will some of your listeners. I have a friend who labels his credit cards for him and his spouse so they know what to spend on. Wow. Um, you know, dining, groceries, whatever the case may be. And I think that's a little bit extreme because if you take a card, like the Chase, Sapp- uh, it's not, not the Chase Sapphire, the Starwood Preferred Guest, oftentimes it's, it's spoken about like 1.25 because of the, the bonus right. you get when transferring. If you're not spending a minimum of $20,000 on that card, you're not getting that bonus. So your $20,000 can perhaps be spent elsewhere um, uh, with points that you will use in a different kind of way. So I think for a lot of people, if you are getting signups, and just like you said, uh, those who tend to be in the younger demographic, you're not spending that much money per month, more than you think, but you're not spending so incrementally more where it makes sense to really focus on one card. So spread the wealth around, um, go for those signup bonuses because it's the best way to get free travel.
0: That's right. I don't. um, I don't think it's worth all that extra hassle to remember which card to use for every single purchase. And I think that's one of the most surprising things people find out about me when they ask (laughs) me, like, "Oh, you must have so many cards, and you must be so good at knowing what to use each card for." I'm like, "No, that's not the case. I keep one or two cards in my wallet, and that's all I use at a time."
1: I hate big wallets, and so I really. Agreed. (laughs) When I I travel, when I travel, I tend to keep a little bit more with me to get into the lounge or the hotel or whatever the case may be. When I'm domestic. It's no more than three or four.
0: Yeah, max. I just – I don't see I, – I it's too much for me. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, okay, next topic I wanted to discuss with you. Yes. Do you have a favorite credit card or miles feature benefit uh, that you have, you know, in your couple of years doing this already that you have come to love? I personally – and I've talked about this before on my podcast and on my blog, um, and I want to go into it in more – Um, in more detail on a a future episode here is the Southwest Companion Pass. That has been so valuable to me since my wife is from Denver, Colorado, and we fly between New York and Denver usually between around five times a year, probably round trips, and New York to Denver has has a lot of Southwest flights. The Southwest Companion Pass means that any time I fly, my wife gets to come for free. Um, There are several ways to earn it, and I currently have it, and I love this feature. So is there anything like that that you have that you're a big fan of? Yeah, I think,
1: I think for me it changes with the times and my travel habits for the year. Uh, I myself also had the Southwest Companion Pass, and my wife and I are both from Chicago. We would fly. One year we flew 12 times between New York and Chicago, which is wow. insane. And not that I would recommend doing that or do that again, just for the fun of it. It was really nice to have the benefit of the Companion Pass. But putting that aside, um, what I've seen change over the past few years uh, the travel statement credits that a lot of credit cards are now issuing. Uh, the most popular is the Chase uh, Sapphire Reserve, it gives it $300 in statement credit, but you have to pay an annual fee for that. So one of my all-time favorite statement credits is the Personal Rewards Gold Card from American Express. Typically the annual fee is waived for the first year, and on top of that you're getting $100 to spend at your domestic airline of choice. It's a nice benefit, uh, you can activate it whenever you're ready, and I think it's something that goes unnoticed for that card. People to oftentimes forget because there is no annual fee. So it's really, it's not, it's not money, but it's a hundred dollars to spend on an airline that you're probably going to spend anyways.
0: That's that's a really good point, point. Um, and that that is a great feature because I know that you know the American Express Platinum and the Business Platinum versions of of that card. Also have a, um, an airline credit. It's $200, but a lot of people use that, at least in their mind, to say that the money I'm going to get back from that credit will help offset the annual fee of $450. Um, and here, you're talking about a card that has no annual fee, and yet they're still giving you $100 every year. So that's absolutely, definitely nice. Or I should and say no annual fee it, for the first year.
1: Right. If you time it correctly, let say you open it up in November or December, you get it in that calendar year and then the following calendar year. So you have no annual fee, yet you've hit the you've gotten this a hundred dollars twice.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that 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 is the right plan of course of action to get it at the end of the year so you can get two years out of it. Um great. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that you also use the Southwest Companion Pass. I mean, I just yes. loved it.
1: I mean it was a lifesaver. We flew like I said, twelve times in one year. in total, my flights would have cost me two thousand dollars. Now, add another person You double it, it's $4,000. It's a lot for flying back and forth between Chicago and New York for two years. Absolutely. You know, the companion path, some people don't love Southwest for the seating um, and certain things like that, and some of the frills really aren't added. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you're getting more than free travel for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've gotten used to their boarding procedures. That's a little bit different than everybody else. And I've you know gotten used to the open seating arrangement. Uh, And I've come to love flying on Southwest. I really, I really enjoy, I enjoy the experience almost every time.
1: Right. And if you're going to talk about boarding procedures, I don't think anyone does it right anymore. I mean, look at United, they recently, they have one, I think they have one of the worst boarding procedures. I mean, it's just a mess at all their gates. You have people standing in different columns, horizontally, standing in the, in the walkways. And American now has, what's it, 12 boarding groups?
0: Oh, boy, yeah. My my <laughs> boss has status with uh, American, and she's had different levels of, of their status over the, over the years since she flies a lot um, locally, uh, domestically. And uh, she was explaining to me how her level now, where she used to board in, like, the second or third group, is now boarding in, like, the eighth or ninth group. And she says, what is the point, even, of having right. any – you're getting on the plane after half the plane anyway. What does status mean in this regard? It, it's crazy <laughs> what they did to their, to their That's boarding right. procedures.
1: I mean, even with us, even with card holders, right? If you hold the the Barclays Aviator card, from um, which was formerly the US Airways card or the City Platinum Advantage card, you were always you had priority boarding or group one boarding. In reality, those group I think it was like group four or five. Now you're like group seven or eight with those cards. That's right. It, it's so different. That's right. We're all
0: getting on plane, anyways. Right. And and you know, having a credit card is not is not so impressive in terms of getting boarding. And the people who fly tons and tons of miles and have actual, you know, top level statuses and are still getting pushed all the way back down is quite uh quite interesting what they're doing over there.
1: And they probably have a credit card
0: too. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, now we've talked about credit cards in a few different ways. Now I want to know about trips. Um, we mentioned before you've gone from Hawaii all the way to Tokyo. Um, I personally have been to Hawaii a couple of times now. I've been fortunate to have that. I've been to a lot of Europe. I have not touched ground, uh, in Asia yet. Um, and I know you have, and I, I, I want to know of all the places you've been to, what was your favorite destination? Or perhaps you want to talk about a specific airline that you flew in, in premium cabins or a special hotel that you thought was, wow want to hear what, what, what's your favorite.
1: Definitely. I, I hesitate to talk about a favorite airline um, because I have a lot of friends and clients who ask me how to fly. What's the best way to fly? I don't have enough miles. I just want to get there. I think for a lot of people um, in this hobby, we get distracted by getting there and not the actual there. And so for me, it's about the trip. Now, that is to say, I would I would not prefer to fly Coach from New York to Hong Kong for 16 hours. But if I had to, and it was the only way I was going to get to Hong Kong because I didn't have enough miles, I'd do it. So I don't I don't know if I really would 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 say I have a specific product that I like. I think domestically United is upping its game, Delta Plants up its game. If you're flying domestic, let's say from New York to LA or New York to San Francisco, you really can't beat American Airlines Lie Flat um, on their A three twenty ones. It's a really great product, great configuration, small plane. Um, but in terms of destination, I would have to say Tokyo so far has been one of my favorite cities in the world. I landed at the airport and I knew already that I would love it. They were, the bathrooms were so clean. <laughs> it just made me, and it sounds silly, but it made me smile. I was like, this is how I know this is the place I like. I'm like, clean and orderly. Compared to New York, it's just like there's no garbage on the streets, everyone is polite, everyone was walking on the same sides. So it was, really, it was really fun being there. Definitely a huge culture shock for someone coming from north america in particular um but definitely i learned a lot about the culture about the people i think that in a week we only saw half of what there was to see i mean japan there's lots to see in japan and asia in general um but i wish i were to go back anywhere in asia i would definitely love to make a stop off back in japan i know my wife and i are planning to go there for the 2020 olympics it's far away but i'm <laughs> definitely miles to get there
0: wow wow that, i mean that that sounds great I I first of all have a very very similar mindset to you in terms of uh, getting to your destination you know do you include that as part of your vacation do you separate it um, and I agree that flying the premium cabins somewhere in business class first class definitely adds to the vacation a lot because it takes away the stress of you know uh, sitting in coach but as someone who barely ever traveled until I got into this uh, into this world a couple years ago um, I I'm, I try very hard to stay focused on not getting spoiled and requiring myself to be in business class, you know, mm-hmm. and, ra- you know, but rather whatever the miles make sense for, if I have enough miles and if the, if the price is right, then, you know, I'll take advantage of that. But I, I agree with you about that. You know, the destination is where I want to go. I don't, I don't want to take a trip just because the plane is supposed to be a very nice plane. Um,
1: you, the, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think we get spoiled sometimes in this hobby. And then, you work so hard to have a workaround to plan a trip, and you end up having to take two stops and have two different tickets just to get that premium cabin on your long haul. And it might feel better, but at the end of the day, it might not necessarily always be worth your time that you're investing. And so I, I have that issue myself sometimes. I'm like, I really, really want to get there. I really want to go business class or first class, but it's not always available. Um, and so I try not to focus on it too much. And I get carried away, I think, like a lot of us do.
0: Yeah. I'm very big into trying to keep my flights at one-stop options when that is available. Um, so I, I'll, I'll go for the direct if I, if that's available, the non-stop. If not, I'll go for one-stop. I, I don't exactly understand when people intentionally add a couple of stops in order to get themselves onto more or varied uh premium cabin options i mean for some people though again you know it's a preference thing some people really do enjoy and want to experience all there is on the different airlines and uh Mm -hmm. they'll intentionally try to throw that into their trip and it becomes part of their vacation for me that's just not what interests me
1: i had done that to beijing i had flown from new york to hong kong hong kong to beijing it was a mistake because we could have gotten a direct flight in business class but i really wanted to try cafe Pacific's famous and vaunted business class Ah. it was nice but was it worth the extra connection in Hong Kong no probably not
0: right it's hard to uh, to weigh it Um, but now back to Tokyo I mean that really sounds sounds good I'm also someone who's very organized and neat and if that's (laughs) what they've got to offer I I would definitely appreciate that
1: well we went there at a special time we went there during the cherry blossom festival um, which is really a unique time to be there beautiful weather Um, You see a different side, I think, to to the Japanese people and their appreciation for the the beauty and sort of the dichotomy between this nature and all these high-rises, right? You walk in New York City, and all you really have is Central Park. Okay, you have a few things here and there, but it's all buildings and stone and concrete and glass and steel. There you have the same thing, but everywhere you go, there's these massive and beautifully manicured parks. And people are taking time out of their lunches to go relax and walk around and have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and eat their lunch outside here I know when I have an hour break at lunch I'm not sitting outside and enjoying the weather or enjoying Brian Park I'm probably working um, eating my lunch at my desk or you know reading reading your updates on the on your blog
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's really uh, interesting the culture differences is something that you know is, is an is an added benefit that you get from a lot of traveling you know you get to right. see how different people act in different parts of the world it opens you up from what you're used to back home
1: 100 percent
0: um okay I have one last topic I'd like to discuss and uh, sure. um, and this is current events I would say very current has only about two or three days until this goes into effect um, we mentioned earlier the American Express Platinum Cards and their hefty annual fee that they have, and the personal Platinum Card, the annual fee is actually going up from $450 a year to $550 a year, and that goes into effect at the end of this month. Um, so I know you have done a lot of research into what benefits they are now offering to help cover that change, um, but I want to hear your thoughts on some of those benefits. and. Uh, whether you think they're worth the hundred dollars increase, you know, now this, you know, this is not, not, not such a cheap card to begin with. It's not even cheap. It's even more expensive now.
1: Definitely. So I think after the Chase Sapphire Reserve hit the market, I believe it was last summer, they sort of the credit card space, the credit card reward space was thrown a loop. Um, No one hadn't really known what Chase was going to offer, but remember Chase was the pioneer with the mid-level card, the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Which was offering great sign up, easy to understand reward structure, easy to understand earning structure, um, and good sign up bonus, good transfer partners. And so it had a big impact on the travel reward space in a lot of ways. It wasn't a premium card, so pretty much anyone who had a solid FICO score, which you spoke about in your previous podcast, could get. Then other banks, such as American Express and Citi, had premium offerings. And so I think Chase was ready to offer a premium um, card. They were in the market. They really dominated the credit card reward market space for a long time now, um, and they were ready to launch something that really changed the way that banks interact with points and especially with customers. And so what I think Chase really did right, it, they their annual fee, they didn't make it any, any new, any higher annual fee. 450 was the max that we've seen for the most part on premium cards, like the platinum card from American Express or the City Prestige card. All were 450. So there you go. You fall into the same category in terms of annual fees. But your bonus categories in the Sapphire Reserve were three times on dining and two times on travel, or if it's vice versa, there was a really straightforward travel credit, three hundred dollars no matter what on anything. So you can right. use it on your easy pass in, in in whatever state you live in. You can use it on your commuter rail, you can use it on Ubers, ticket, hotel. It didn't matter. If it coded as travel, you were getting three hundred dollars back each calendar year. On top of that, they had a great sign-up bonus, and people, what they want, what they were speaking about at, at their card department in, in an interview I listened to at Chase, all they really wanted, people want, people our age, I think people who are using these products, want straightforward earning and redemption. And Chase hit the nail on the head with that. Agreed,
0: so, yeah, definitely. The
1: biggest competitor, who's the biggest competitor in, in this premium space, is American Express, because the Platinum card has been around for a long time, and before the Platinum card was the Gold card. And those two cards, in a lot of ways, pioneered this premium model, this premium offering. People willing to pay a membership fee, an annual fee to be part of some club. Uh, people are holding this card because you know a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, who have that Max Platinum card, and they That's don't make a million dollars, right?
0: That's right.
1: So all these people are getting this Platinum card now because American Express, on one hand, sure, they, they want to be known as American Express, but they have to grow their company, they have to grow their revenue, and part of that means growing their cardholders. And this is not, this isn't, you know, this is coming from them. They're still looking for growth, and they have strategies for growth. And one of that is acquiring customers who will be profitable, so customers who will use their products. I'm not talking about us, you and I, who open up a lot of cards, but people who will actually use their product and pay the annual fee to keep the card open for a year or two years, because they're spending a lot of money to get us. So what did American Express do, and remember, They're not dumb. You know, I think in the blogging space, it's spoken about how is American Express going to fight back the Chase Sapphire Reserve. In a way, they are looking to fight back, but in a way, I think they're looking to do something else. So American Express made two rounds of changes to their Platinum Personal card. I think it wasn't so clearly communicated to card members, but also they did it twice. They didn't just make one change. They made a second change. And their most recent change, right, they added... I think you would earn five points per dollar if you book travel for the hotels through the American Express travel portal. That's right, and, yeah. Right, and the $100 Uber credit. So that sounds really great, but then they go ahead and up the annual fee by $100. So to me, and this is where I disagree with, I'd say, the, the blogger populace here, M- MX didn't raise the annual fee $100 to offset the $100 from Uber. Maybe they wanted us to think that. What I think MX is trying to do and here's the kicker. They're trying to capture and recapture exclusivity. The American Express Platinum card was really known for people who were high net worth individuals. And while that still may be the case, you and I and the people who hold the at Ch- Chase Sapphire Reserve don't associate anymore the Amex Platinum card with exclusivity. However, by upping the annual fee by $100, they say to everyone who's been paying $450 and been okay with it, well, are you really sure you want to pay $100, again, extra? Now, they might lose us as customers, and that will definitely be the case. As always, every year, they look at their portfolio and say, well, here's the customers we have, and people are going to fall off for attrition rates. That always is going to happen. But how much more so is that going to happen now? On the other hand, they're going to be gaining some incremental revenue by charging the additional $100. So what I think is that this wasn't this is, in some ways, sure, they're going to pay for their extra benefits, but That's an entirely different part of the conversation about customer acquisition costs. This is now about retaining customers who are high net worth and will bring back that niceness to the Platinum card. Because before it was, oh, my God, you have a Platinum card? You can get me, right? That's how the the, the Amex Black card came came about, right? It was a rumored card that could get celebrities into any store, any restaurant. So the Platinum sort of did that on the consumer level high net worth individuals. But you again, you and I have it. And, you know, We don't really fall into that 1%, um, at least speaking for myself. So that's what I think Amex is trying to do. And you should really think very hard if all these added benefits on the Amex Platinum card for an additional $100 make sense for you. The Uber credit is not as what it seems. It's $15 a month. And I think anyone who seriously takes Uber does way more than $15 a month.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said there and i really think that you have brought up a very interesting perspective on this uh, a lot of the travel bloggers and the credit card bloggers have discussed these changes obviously and they seem to keep harping on whether the you know the extra $100 increase is you know make is is makes up you know with a uh, balances out with all the benefits right so they have the $200 uber credits but like you said it's only $15 a month and uh, you, it, you, it expires that month if you don't end up using it, so that's number one as a problem. And number two, they like to point out that, you know, a lot of rides cost more than $15, so it doesn't even feel like you're getting a free ride out of it. Um, yeah. And then the hotel, you know, bookings get you five times points now. That's only when it's booked on AmexTravel.com, and there are negatives to booking on that, is that you lose a lot of the points earnings you would have gotten had you booked directly through the hotel and stayed, you know, and now you're a third-party booking. And so the bloggers like to point out these um, – these changes and say, is that really worth $100? And I think that you're coming from a very interesting perspective because before I entered this credit card game, whether I was a child or in high school or in college, forget the Platinum card. Any per- time I ever saw an American Express card, I was like, whoa, that's an American Express card. You know, Whether I was a little bit naive or not, but I always thought it was much harder to get an American Express card there was something special about having one. And that's right. probably why not every store – you know, accepts American express. It's part of that more exclusive club, like you said, and certainly the platinum card. When you saw that silver card with that face on it, you knew right away (laughs) that meant something. Um, And uh, they're actually, this card is now going to have a metal design similar to how the Sapphire reserve has a metal design. And I'm sure that's number one to keep up with the competition, but two, to again, give you that extra feel to your card and to what, to the club that you are joining. So I think that's really an interesting perspective is that the $450 annual fee is now the bar for you know premium cards in the market and so if American Express is saying well now ours is 550 you really need to make an investment even more right. that you were doing before in order to join the platinum club I think that's really interesting and I, I would not be surprised if that was you know a big part of their uh, decision on doing this
1: right and and I couldn't agree more and, and I think you said it better yourself uh, you could, I could have said it better than you just said uh, I I'm curious, and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the, you know, MX executive CEO room when they were deciding, well, what changes are we going to make? Because they know that the earning structure on the card isn't what it could be. It's not like they're oblivious to the blogs or to the competition. You know, they know that three times, they offer three times, uh, you know, on airfare on their gold card, which is an inferior product in terms of annual fee. but still sort of falls in within that semi-premium. So, they're saying go to our sort of super premium, super premier travel portal, and you'll get these sort of Amex hotel benefits, right? Amex has their own, just like Visa does, their own you know hotel booking engine. Right. They'll get some of these benefits. Now, most people perhaps care about the bottom line, like how cheap is it going to be? And if I'm going to, like hotels.com, and if I'm going to save something from it, that's great. I don't need to go to Amex's exclusive portal to do so. So I don't think they're naive. MX is not naive. There's no way. You know, they're experiencing losses in other places. Um, I am curious why they didn't add some things like three times on dining um, or travel or whatever the case may be. But that's not what it is. So I would, you know, push all your listeners, and this is something I want to think about myself, does it make sense to, to apply for the Platinum card with its extra annual fee when I'm taking Uber and I'm spending way more than $15 a month on it,
0: you know? Yeah, um, definitely. I think it's a very fair question that people should be asking themselves. Um, I I would have been impressed a little bit more if the annual fee went up and they added these benefits, but then also the standard sign-up bonus offered went up as well. Um, right. you know that that offer changes throughout the year. I think it gets as low as forty thousand points. Sometimes it's fifty. You might see seventy-five. You might see and up to a hundred thousand if you're, you know you receive a targeted offer in the mail. Um, and I would have thought that hey if they're gonna raise it to 550 maybe they should make the minimum you know level that this goes to now a uh, higher than it used to be And I don't know that we've uh, seen that yet um, but I think that this, uh you know this was a great great discussion on the topic that I think is not being addressed by the bloggers in the same way that you addressed it right now I think you had a great perspective on it thank you um, well Mordechai uh, that's uh, that's all we have for today um, it was really really great having you on the show I appreciate you being our first guest speaker um, I appreciate your knowledge and the conversation we had um, I, I really think this was great I really enjoyed it
1: so did I thank you so much for having me and I hope I was able to share something with you and your listeners today
0: yeah, absolutely. You definitely did. Everybody again, just a reminder, this is Mordechai Charka. He is known as the miner online and you can find him at miningformiles.com. Um, read his content. He has, I forgot to mention before, but he's he's written before for the points guy and for Million Mile Secrets. He's got his name out there and he has a lot of knowledge to share. I would totally recommend checking out his blog. Again, it's miningformiles.com. Thanks. Um Yeah, this was great. Um, To everybody listening, I hope you enjoyed this this episode. And uh, until next time.